Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. The Bicultural Podcast celebrates bicultural individuals and gives insight into cultural differences to help you improve business relationships. The podcast is presented by myself, Janina Neumann, the bilingual creative, social entrepreneur and business owner. Welcome to the Bicultural Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Dodsworth, Managing Director at Euro Partnerships Limited. Hello Mark, how are you? Good morning Janina, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm glad to have you on my podcast. Delighted to be here, very honoured, thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm the, I'm the co-founder and MD of, of Euro Partnerships. We were, we were founded in 2000. My, my own personal history um, from a sort of bicultural, multicultural point of view, um, began really with my parents because my, my mother was from the US and my father was from the UK. So I was already, uh, as a child, living in a, a bicultural environment. Uh, and then in uh, my early years, uh, my, my parents moved to Argentina, to Buenos Aires. So... Uh, for, the, for my early years, I was going to school uh, in Buenos Aires, and it was a bilingual school. So not only did I have the U.S. influence from my mother, but uh, I was also now uh, being taught in Spanish, uh, living in South America, uh, and uh, experiencing uh, life in in, uh, in a country, a Spanish-speaking country, thousands of miles from from, from UK. Uh, I was good at languages at school, uh, and obviously learning Spanish at a very young age was helpful. So I went on to university uh, and uh, studied Spanish, Portuguese, and French, did a, a master's in Latin American studies. So everything seemed to be pointing towards uh, living and working in Latin America. That's ex- precisely what happened. I, I went into the foreign office as a research officer. Uh, I covered uh, Brazil and the the so-called Southern Cone countries of Latin America for for four years. For various reasons, uh, I didn't stay. I ended up going into a, a languages faculty, an arts faculty in a university, uh, and then from there into the private sector, um, focusing on language training and international business. And that was really where I spent the, the rest of my career was in that, that world of uh, language training and international business. This is really when things became quite multicultural. So although I would have liked to have done more on Spain and, and Latin America, uh, we ended up working in France. We did a lot of work in the Nordic countries, uh, especially Iceland and, and Finland and more recently, Norway. We worked a lot with, with your country, Janina, with Germany, um, and particularly with uh, the, the Ossis, the, new, the, the Eastern, Eastern, Eastern Germans uh, from the new federal states. Um, so you can see that many different influences uh, in sort of my private life and, and my professional life which makes me now able to, 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 to say that we're, we're a multicultural company. Wow, there's so much that I'd love to ask you about that. But just going back, um, you'd mentioned that you went to a bilingual school. So that's really interesting because you 
from my understanding of a bilingual school is that you actually learn different subjects in different languages, which I guess also in, um, influences the way you um, remember things in which language and that you can um, switch perspectives quite well. Is, is that true? That That's exactly how it was. I mean, this was the the early 1960s and um, the Argentine system um, uh, was that you, uh, when you went to, to school, to, a, to a, uh, uh, an international school, which is what it was, uh, at least half the curriculum had to be taught in Spanish. And the subjects that were taught in Spanish were uh, history, for example, um, uh, and uh, of course, uh, the language itself. Uh, I remember biology was in was in Spanish, um, and uh, the day would start. I was just thinking about this uh, recently. The day would start with everybody out on the on the playground while we raised the Argentine flag and sang the national anthem. And I can still, uh, word for word, <laughs> sing you the the Argentine <laughs> national anthem, which I learned when I was seven years old. Um, but Another interesting perspective was the, the way they taught history. So, of course, history was Argentine history. So, amongst other things, we learned about the terrible things that the English redcoats had done to the Argentine patriots during the uh, the 18th and 19th centuries when they raided uh, uh, different uh, parts of, uh, of, of South America um, as part of their uh, empire-building uh, phase. So, this, this was a, a way of seeing history from somebody else's perspective and not from the perspective that we would we would see it if we were being taught here in the UK. Yeah, that's really interesting because also the the way you learn about someone's history also influences the way you think about um, things and yes. I guess also about how you perceive people and you know part of this podcast is to actually give some insights into different perspectives and to give insights into different cultures so that's really interesting so tell us a little bit more about your role um, as a research officer that sounds really interesting uh well so I went in to the foreign office as a Spanish and Portuguese speaker and uh our job was to uh we were area specialists uh, employed by the Foreign Office to advise the diplomatic corps on uh, aspects of history, politics uh, and current affairs, um, bearing in mind that most diplomats, when they come into the job, are generalists. They don't come in with a particular special area of, uh, of study. Um, so they would employ Latin Americanists, um, Russianists, uh, Sinologists, uh, people with different uh, uh, experience of different uh, different countries and cultures as the as the specialists specialist advisors to the diplomats, and that that's what I did um, for Brazil and uh, the Spanish speaking countries of the Southern Cone, which was uh, the Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, Paraguay, and of course the Malvinas, the Falkland Islands, which at that time were um, in on everybody's lips because of the uh, of the war with Argentina, just uh, just uh, before I joined. 
That's really interesting. And I had a recent conversation with someone and um, she mentioned that, you know, being um, bicultural, um, that you actually become more empathetic with other cultures. So even though you might have um, certain cultures as part of your identity, you're actually more likely to be able to understand how the other person's feeling. So I can see that that must have been really good in your job of actually being a specialist advisor because you had those cultures but you also had those experiences that you could pass on and advise um people on that yeah i i was able better than a lot of people to see the situation from both sides and i had this uh this this love affair with uh, with latin america and with argentina you know I, i loved the place i was very happy there as a child i had many friends there and uh so I, I couldn't share the view of some of the more um, uh, un, un, my, uh, unreasonable uh, politicians and diplomats at the time who, uh, who, who, who saw Argentina as simply uh, a, 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 an aggressive uh, nation, you know, uh, encroaching upon the, uh, you know, the, 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 the poor Falkland Islanders. I mean, there was another, another side to it. Um, and uh, I, I was able to see things, I think, from both sides, which made actually, in, in some ways, made the job also a bit uncomfortable, um, and uh, was maybe one of the reasons why I didn't stay uh, after four. After four years, I decided to move on. But uh, certainly at the time, it was it was it was very interesting perspective having having lived in Argentina um, and uh, seen. Seen, seen it from their their perspective. Yes, I can certainly relate to feeling uncomfortable sometimes when you trying to um, tell someone else how this other person might be feeling about the situation. But then again, I think it's also really important because they actually you're the person who might make them think or revise their um, perceptions of someone, and that influences sure. the next person that they meet. So I think that's a really good thing. So tell us a little bit more about kind of the differences um, that you saw between like um, Latin America and UK culture, or specific differences, for example, um, with Argentina. You, you've got to remember that I, I wasn't working there in a, in a professional sense. I actually wasn't able to visit Argentina as a diplomat. I was a persona non grata. My passport was not uh, acceptable. So everything that, that I was able to, to, to sort of read and study about c- contemporary Argentina at the time had to come from books and uh, newspapers and radio broadcasts and things like that. Um, uh, but of course, I was able to uh, meet and, and work quite closely with people from Brazil, from Chile, from Uruguay, Paraguay, and from the countries surrounding Argentina. I always felt like I, I, I almost had, felt like I had Latin American blood, almost because I'd been brought brought up there. So uh, I didn't see too many differences myself, but but uh, I could see that uh, in the UK at the time, there's quite a lot of ignorance about the the different countries, about the history of the countries, um, about these people. I understand. You kind of morph into the other culture because it is part of your identity. So I can relate to that, definitely. Yeah. So therefore, um, you don't maybe see the differences quite so starkly as, as somebody... 
completely new to this culture would 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 experience it and uh, i think that was that was that was certainly my my feeling i always got on extremely well with latin american visitors and uh, had many latin american friends whenever i had the opportunity i chose to to travel to latin america and uh, visit people and places so i always felt like i had you know definitely one foot there and one foot here um but uh, I didn't, in my professional life, work with Latin America very much, ironically. I, I thought I would do, but that didn't happen um, uh, for various reasons. Um, my career ended up taking me more, north, more northwards to, to the Nordic countries, to Finland and Norway and Iceland. Uh, and that was quite ironic in a way. Um, Although I always, within the, the team, I always had Latin American colleagues uh, working with me. So we were, uh, in that respect, we did keep our, keep our, our connections going with, with uh, the, the, the region of my, of my youth. That's really interesting. So tell us a little bit more about working with um, Nordic countries. This was, um, all came about because in 2002, I was visiting a, uh, a company in Hertfordshire, actually, uh, as doing some work for an export development program for a client, a British client. And the, uh, the export manager there was Icelandic. And uh, she went back to Iceland, took a job with the equivalent of the Icelandic Department for International Trade, um, which at that time was called the Trade Council of Iceland. And we kept in touch and she invited me to meet her boss and to talk with her boss about what kind of work we might be able to do for Icelandic SMEs who were looking to export their products and services to uh, not just to the UK, but mainly to the UK, but also to other markets. So they invited me out in, in, in 2002. I had meetings and we set up a pilot uh, training program for groups of 12 SMEs at the time uh designed to help prepare them for uh ex successful export and working with international partners and that was that was really where it all started wow that sounds really interesting but did you notice any like differences in how they communicated uh most icelanders uh certainly uh, um, most of the people i was working with spoke pretty good english um they'd there been a U.S. base uh, in uh, Iceland since uh, since the Second World War. It was a U.S.-British base, but became a U.S. base, and therefore they'd they'd had uh, uh, American TV, um, and uh, they were very keen on on British TV on the BBC. Uh, uh, TV was not dubbed; it was subtitled, so they heard English all the time on the television. Kids learned English at school. Um, there were, at that time, many tourists, English-speaking tourists. Um, and uh, increasingly, Icelanders were traveling abroad to study because there's a, it, it's a population of 360,000, so a little bit bigger than Coventry, but it, it, in a country the size of Ireland. So <laughs> you, get, you get these, these strange um, 
uh, uh, characteristics. But the, the, this means that if you want to study certain subjects at university, you have to go abroad because they're not offered within Iceland. So they would go to Denmark, they would go to uh, UK. A lot of Icelanders were studying in Scotland um, and in the US. And then they would go back to Iceland to, to work. Uh, so English was very widely spoken. Um, and uh, this meant that uh, training in English, which is what, what we did, was perfectly acceptable. Um, and the differences uh, were more about um, uh, the way they think, um, the way they work together, uh, the way they interact, rather than any significant uh, issues relating to, to language. Uh, and of course, they were very familiar with, with, with UK. Many of them traveled to UK to go shopping or to go see football matches. And uh, so they were familiar with us. But of course, well, I was not very familiar with them. And I guess that was the interesting area was in, in that difference that I didn't know them as well as they knew me. <laughs> that is really interesting. And I can imagine that they must have different layers of their identity if they have um, studied abroad and then come back. So I can imagine that they have some like multicultural characteristics. So tell us a little bit more about um, how their thinking might differ to um, the UK. As a group, when you, when you have a group of Icelanders, first thing you notice is that um, there are many women in the group. So it's quite possible that in a group you'll have more women than men. Um, uh, then, and, and even more so now, many founders and owners of, of SMEs uh, are women. So that's the first thing you notice, which is a little bit different from maybe an audience in Germany or, or UK or Spain. Um, second thing is the way they dress. So they're dressed uh, very informally. Uh, men are often in, in, in jeans. Um, uh, the women are very, very fashionable because uh, fashionable clothing, designer clothing is, is worn. So you, it's this sort of smart, casual um, uh, dress that you would you would find. Very quiet to begin with, um, but uh, in order to 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 encourage them to interact and to work together, we would always in introduce some sort of business games to uh, encourage them to uh, relax a bit and break the ice. And generally, after an hour or so, they do, they'd all be talking and, and working working well. But generally, it, it, the the atmosphere is, is 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 relatively quiet and subdued and thoughtful and reflective. Uh, very different, for example, to a Spanish or a Latin American audience, where you'd have a lot of noise, a lot of people gesticulating, uh, and a lot of things going on. So very enjoyable to work with, very relaxing, and uh, a lot of very good um, interaction and feedback from the uh, from from the work that you would be doing with them. That sounds really cool. So what are they passionate about? Um, what, what things do they enjoy? Um, what, what things can you connect with them? Uh, I mean, both business and non-business. They're, they're, they're usually, usually the people I would be working with very well traveled. So love to travel, love to meet new people, um, uh, love the outdoors. Um, of course, Iceland has a lot of that. They would be well-read, uh, well-educated, um, therefore uh, able to interact in a, at a, a high level. A great sense of humour. Uh, maybe not uh, 
quite the same as ours, but um, they would uh, be very familiar with a lot of the, the English TV comedies and then find them very funny. And they would sometimes uh, uh, quote those back to you, quote some of the, the best jokes back to you in a, uh, clearly enjoyed them. Um, their, their, their sense of humor um, tends to be use a lot of double meanings um and wordplay which of course is completely lost on me as my icelandic is limited to about 50 words but also jokes and stories i guess you could say a lot of it's built around stories about very strange people doing very strange things almost surreal things <laughs> and that's where the humor would come from and i i thought it was hilarious and i, I got into that but for people not 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 familiar with that it might take a bit of getting used to that sounds really cool. And I can imagine that they are quite creative. And perhaps that also comes from being able to um, connect with other cultures quite fluently. Um, because if they they have different cultures within their culture, I can imagine that they learn a lot more about what else is going on in the world. So that sounds really cool. Um, do you mentioned before about um, having a multicultural team at your partnership? So how did that evolve? Uh, we started off um, going down that road because we were offered interns from different European countries. So the first uh, uh, non-British members of our team were, were Dutch, uh, they were German, they were Spanish, and they were coming to us on usually on EU-funded. Uh, programs to spend six months or a year with us um, and um, uh, some of them stayed um, uh, or they went back to their countries and continued to work with us in some capacity um, so gradually the, the members of the team uh, at the moment were up to about nine people but I was just uh, reflecting the other day that we have I think we have six six different uh, uh, business cultures represented in our team at the moment. So we have a, we have Dutch, uh, we have Spanish, we have Colombian, uh, we have British, uh, we have German, um, and uh, we have Finnish. And uh, that's all within a very small team. But we're also a little bit unusual in that we don't uh, all sit in one office. We're, we're spread around uh, different uh, different offices and and sometimes different countries. You you could say that we're a vulture a, a virtual multicultural team rather than uh, one that is uh, co-located. That sounds really cool, and I also think it's really fantastic that actually you have a multicultural team yourself. So when people come, for example, for um, your training program and they experience certain things you can actually really relate to them and yeah and that's so important to actually have felt it and have it happen perhaps um in in your team as well and it creates a great bond but also you know that the expertise is firsthand which which is brilliant this also makes the the client feel very comfortable so a couple of examples i mean we had a uh, we've done a lot of work with the spanish basque country and uh, when the uh, mainly in retail and commerce so when those delegations of 8 or 10 retailers would come to london we would they would be met by spanish speaking members of my team uh, who would be able to give them a particular particular kind obviously they would meet me 
uh, we would take them round. It would make them feel more comfortable and we would understand where they're coming from and uh, um, they would understand where we where we were coming from. So so it, it was definitely a selling point to be able to offer that kind of service for them when they arrived. And the same with our German colleagues. Um, you've seen some of our German events, Janina, and um, um, we, we're very comfortable with with uh, with our German colleagues and uh, uh, know that the kind of things that they're going to uh, demand and expect, um, which are a little bit different from your, your typical British uh, group. Um, but we can anticipate that and ensure that uh, they have all the information that they need, that everything is carefully planned in advance, and that uh, there's not going to be any unexpected surprises, um, which might make those visitors more, more uncomfortable. Um, so we can anticipate that and deal with it, uh, thanks to our, our, German, uh, our, our German team members. Yes, I certainly feel very comfortable at attending your um, events. And actually, I've noticed when I feel comfortable, I learn a lot more. So I guess, I guess other people feel the same. So the way you make them feel comfortable and include, you know, include them so well, they are also going to take in the information that you present to them and in how you interact with them a lot more on board than perhaps in a other business setting where you feel a bit like an outsider so it's fantastic how you've built in that inclusivity within everything that you do yep uh, I think that's 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 absolutely true so if people loved listening to you and they would perhaps like to connect with you or work with you could you tell us a little bit more about how they can get in touch with you there are uh, different ways of, 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 of working with us or connecting with us. Um, obviously, we run events. Uh, these events are usually connected with uh, inward delegations. Um, uh, at the moment, uh, they're coming from uh, from Norway and from, from Finland. And uh, anybody interested in uh, those markets, particularly in the tech and green areas, uh, should, should contact me. You can do that through the website, which is uh, europartnerships.co.uk. Or, um, or, or contact with me personally via LinkedIn, uh, and then we'll happily keep you informed about what's, what's coming up and talk about other things that, uh, that may be of mutual interest. Fantastic. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, Mark, and I've learned so much more today, which has been fantastic. And thank you for being a wonderful guest. It's been a pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. Thanks, Janina, for, again, for, for inviting me. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to subscribe to the Bicultural Podcast. Thank you for listening and bis bald.